0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What's your biggest mistake this year in the fantasy baseball season? Uh, did you know at the time you made it, it was a big mistake? And is it disqualifying for you in your leagues? That and a whole lot more on the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey, everybody. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. No, the biggest mistake isn't putting the wrong frame in front of our podcast here. For those of (laughs) you watching us streaming live, Uh, but it is a mistake. We can't figure out how to fix it, but we'll we'll be moving beyond that. We don't need to call attention to that, but I just did. So too bad. Everybody notices now. Um, We got a lot to talk about. It's a busy, busy season, baseball season. We are at the half pole, as Todd Zoll liked to joke about, joked about it earlier today. Uh, We're at the beginning of the season right now. Uh, I mean, halfway point through the season right now. Uh, a lot going on. Uh, one day game as we speak. San Diego is hosting Seattle. Uh, big slate tonight. Fred, how are you doing?
2: I'm good. I knew out of all the things I put in the outline this week that the one you would jump on, even though I purposely put it at the bottom, right, would be my biggest mistake of the season thus far. And I don't think I'm going to top it. But I, knew, I put it at the bottom for a reason. I was like, maybe we'll just get swamped with hitters and pitchers and closers and all these things. And we'll never get to that. But... I knew that that would be the one thing you're. It's eye catching.
1: It's an it it it's evil, bad, no good of me, but at the same time, I think it's very interesting. In fact, I tweeted it out and people replied right away talking about their mistakes. It's Everyone true. wants to talk about mistakes, so um, let, let's let's just get out in front of it here, man. You know, this is therapy for you. What was your big mistake this year?
2: So, in the Tout Wars Draft and Hold League, which obviously gives me little room to make up for this mistake since I can't trade or pick anyone up off waivers, um, I'm currently sitting in second. Now that's a bit of a dogfight with four of us. Like I could be in fifth tomorrow or the next day mm-hmm. or whatever, but I'm currently sitting in second. Um, Vlad Sedler is 27 points ahead of me. So I believe probably not going to be caught this season. Um, and you would say there's no way Fred one mistake uh could make up those 27 points and maybe it wouldn't have completely made up those 27 points. But when we were doing the draft and draft and hold and tout is a slow draft. So I had some time to think about the picks. That's what makes it bother me even more is it wasn't a split second decision. And I love Robbie Grossman. Um, he did well for me in so many leagues last year. I went back to that well in many leagues this year. It did not pay off. I've dropped them in the leagues where I could. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyways, in round nine, and it's an OBP league, like Tout Wars is, um, but Grossman is someone who gets more value in an OBP league. Anyways, in round nine, I was staring at two names, Robbie Grossman and Kyle Schwarber. And I thought, I already had Trey Turner. I already had Trevor Story. But I thought, oh, this could really lock up the steals. Like, I'll probably get 15 of them or so from Grossman. So probably lock it right in and give me a lot of freedom the rest of the way. (sighs) I felt like I should take Schwarber, but I couldn't resist Grossman and those steals. And I took Grossman, and it was like as soon as I clicked on the pick, I immediately regretted it Mm -hmm. and thought... I should have taken Schwarber for two reasons. One is I think he would have been a better pick. And two is I think there was a chance that Grossman could have made it back to me in round 10. Um, And Schwarber, I knew he had just signed with the Phillies. I knew he wasn't going to make it back to me. I'm pretty sure he had just signed with the Phillies. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Either way, I knew it was a bad plan. Anyways, Vlad was picking two picks after me. Of course, he probably, his eyes lit up when I didn't take Schwarber. He took Schwarber. That's cost me about 20 home runs, 21 home runs to be specific, a little over 30 runs, a little over 30 RBIs, a stolen base, which makes it it even worse. He has one more steal than Robbie Grossman. Um, And and my team, my weaknesses are the hitting categories. So if if I were to have those, just forget what Vlad would have taken and that Vlad would have lost points because he probably wouldn't have found someone who was quite as good as Schwarber with that pick. But if you give me the 20 home runs, I move up like six, seven points, Thir- because Grossman's been in my lineup in that right. draft hold. The 30 runs, the 30 RBIs together, they probably, you know, get me four or more points. Um, yeah. Anyways, probably that, that mistake alone probably cost me a good 10 points in the standings. And I, Vlad will never be caught now. And it's all my fault.
0: Yeah. Good, it's... good for Vlad.
2: Vlad. Vlad didn't build a team just on Kyle Schwarber. He made a lot of other good picks. He would have been probably in the lead right now. He would have been in the lead right now anyways. But I probably would have been within striking distance of him because that 27 points, like, I would probably have 10 more. He would have a few less. Like, I probably could have actually made it a competition during the summer. So, Vlad also has John Birdie. So,
1: oh, I no. – That might yeah. – You know, it's the lacking uh, that I, I would say is uh, – what... I mean, I can't really point pinpoint single mistakes like that as well as you did, but like I have no John Birdie anywhere, like not a single league, not a DC, nothing. Uh, I don't have enough Shane McClanahan. I have him in a couple places, but you know, big deal. Um, I don't have him in either main event, for instance. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I was—we've talked about how I was aggressively wrong in Acuna. How oh, he wasn't going to run enough, and yeah, that that one's really aged poorly immediately. Uh, so those are a couple right there, but. You know, I, I don't have like that. Oh, I nailed this question. You know, I, I I have I I pose the question, but I don't really have a great response. I mean, it's not like I'm lacking mistakes. I'm making. I've made plenty of mistakes. Uh, maybe you know, honestly, it might be Tatis in the main event. You know how we talked about how I got him as late pick, and I think mm-hmm. it was probably the max pick in all the main events at 153, and kind of was doing a little bit of this action here, and he yeah. hasn't he hasn't played yet. Where you know, an 11th round pick is you know. It might not a hit, but there's plenty of hits, hits there, um, and I don't have them anywhere. I mean, I mean, I don't, I haven't gotten anything from there yet, and you know, just missing out on other middle infielders as a result, perhaps.
2: Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like I see other things where you know I have no Goldschmidt. Um, I was against taking. Jordan Alvarez because he doesn't steal bases in the early rounds or Aaron judge. Yeah. Same, same reason. Like those things didn't work out, obviously. Um, like there's things, other things that I made that were mistakes. I have some where this Chapman, which isn't going to turn out. Um, it's just that the, the Schwarber, that Schwarber Grossman decision and I have Grossman in other leagues and other right. draft and holds. It's just that decision. Like I said, was like one that I really sat on. And sat on and thought about and thought about and then still chose wrong and then immediately because that was saw a it. slow
1: draft too, right? Had, I know.
2: And then I you weren't I, then under I, the clock. I know. And then I just happened to have noticed that Vlad, like in some of my other drafts, I wouldn't even have noticed who took him. And right. that, but in that one, because we know the people more, I it stuck in my head that Vlad had taken him. And then obviously watching Vlad surge ahead in the standings, knowing Schwarber's is one of his key contributors in that OVP league, so that one, I just yeah, it's directly traceable like like you said like there's other ones i have a lot of too much with merrifield it's got steals actually but hasn't been a good hitter overall but that one that's just one where i can really pinpoint it and maybe i'll end up losing the league by 20 points and it won't be you know it won't it won't matter but right Right. now it's driving me nuts yeah
1: i i did look up i have my uh an early draft champions league where i had both miles straw and jorge mateo uh and both were active now mateo in january when i drafted him i mean he wasn't pushed up at all at that point mm-hmm. Ian Khan hadn't uttered his name yet on a podcast so he, he hadn't skyrocketed yet um but i had both of them active for a long time shockingly enough after they've combined to hit about a buck 10 this last month and you know mm-hmm. very few stolen bases uh, i'm in last place in that league uh so i do have one real stinker of a team it is it obviously there's other things problems with that team you don't it's not just built on that but and in fact I can guarantee you a lot of my part of the big problem there was uh, that my, all my pitching got hurt. I, you know, and I took chances. That's a DeGrom team. Uh, I think I have DeGrom and on that. And I got to look that up now because it's probably bugging me. But while we're talking, I can, I can walk and chew gum at the same time. I can tell you some of the greatest hits on that team there, but <coughs> it's an awful team. It's a really bad team. Um, and it's in, one of those NFPC fifties. It's a 12 teamer. Got 34 points in the league. So, uh, that, that, that gives you some idea of what, what's really going on there. Yeah, I do have Salem DeGrom on that league. Oh, James Paxton will come back at some point. Luis Patino, he'll be fine. You know, I just the hits keep on coming there. I just have yeah. no no pitching to slot in. I'm forced to, like, roster Chris Bubich. I mean, I keep him active yes. this whole time. You know, that, that that's the sort of thing. And got away with it if it weren't for those meddling kids last week. But this week, not so much. Uh, Max Meyer, I think I slotted in and hopes he got called up. It's just a bad team, and I got the pictures way wrong in that one there. Um, but it, it was like also the first draft I did, so I fe- didn't have as good a feel for the draft pool. Isn't that funny? Like sometimes it, an early draft is an advantage, like a big advantage, sometimes it's like a big albatross
2: for sure. I was, um, I was actually looking at you mentioned earlier, um, uh, Miles Straw. I was actually looking at him earlier today. So if I had told you when you drafted him that at midseason, this is a fun time of year, like like you were saying that Todd says, you know, we're at the whatever he referred to it, middle pole point. or we're half halfway pole, pole. halfway pole of the season, and that's just
1: because he talks the jokes about the three quarter pole, one quarter pole, and all right. that.
2: So we can, so this is, and I have an article coming out about this on Thursday, but we can basically around today, you can just double everybody's stats in the counting stat categories. And that lets you see, you know, what they're on pace for. Now, obviously for straw is a great example that there's way more to the story than that mm-hmm. because he's on pace to basically hit his steals total from last season. He's on pace. If you double it, it'd be 26 last year he had 30 and mm-hmm. he's on pace for 88 runs. last year at 86. So if I had told you when you drafted him that he would have the same halfway through the season, he'd be on pace for the same steals total and runs total. You would say, oh, great. Like I'm not drafting him for the homers and the RBIs anyways. So, you know, I'm sure everything will be fine if he's on pace in those categories, but obviously he's hitting, you know, 80 points, almost 80 points lower. Um, a complete, zero for power instead of like providing a little bit 48 RBIs last year so and the way he's playing his playing time is going to go down
1: Yeah, and he's number. hitting ninth now too yeah, all those steals did. and so, runs so scores were, were front loaded
2: yeah this runs pace of, of 88 is not like he'll be he'll probably get to 65 runs or something like that like if he can get 20-25 runs in the second half I think he'd be doing well so um, unless his bat really comes alive but it's funny how when you look at some of these halfway mark totals some of them are surprising where some guys are doing Cedric Mullins another guy just looked at where I was like huh he's actually I felt like Cedric Mullins was a bust I felt like people feel like he's a bust he's kind of only a bust in the home runs category the batting average is 260 it's that's not what it was last year but it's kind of what we expected the the steals are the same on pace for last year the runs are mostly on pace for last year the RBI's are on pace for last year his power is just down the, yeah, and there's room enough down, but that, it's more yeah.
1: down. and there's room enough in the season. He's done enough that it might not be a net loss by the time the end of the season. Yeah. Is over. yeah, we'll see. I, I with straw. It's you're, you're you're done. It's it, it stirred. Um, that's right.
2: But, that's right. There are some players that had <clears throat> excuse me, slow starts or just have been poor in one category that we keep focusing on. But then when you look at the rest of it, you're like, ah, oh, they, were, they weren't. They've been that bad.
1: Yeah, 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 I agree. I love that Joel already uses the phrase yogurt now for TGFBI. I, I, yeah. I'm glad it's catching on. <laughs> um, so good on that. Thank you, Joel, for that. Made my day there. Yeah. Uh, Star Platinum says, took Luis Garcia instead of Shane uh, McClanahan in the main. Yeah, that's hurtful. But, I mean, Luis Garcia is good. Um, but that He's means not bad. He-
2: he's not a total bust.
1: Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, he's no sugar Shane either. Uh, I get it. I'm surprised they were at, available at the same price. I thought Garcia was going like a round or two later, but uh, two rounds later, really. But I guess there was a workload scare about McClanahan, and maybe that's why his, his price was cheaper.
2: Yep, exactly. And we'll see how that plays out the rest of the way, Nick. Okay, obviously, McClanahan's already done enough that no matter how it plays out, as long as he's still awesome, even if he's awesome over a few less innings yeah. than we hope in the second half. Like, but he's on pace to throw almost 200 <clears> innings, <throat> and I don't think the Rays can let him go there. So yep. I don't know exactly what they'll do with him in the second half, but somehow he needs to be managed, whether they skip starts or space out his starts or shorten some of his starts. But the Rays, I think are too smart of an organization to just throw caution into the wind and say, well, especially because they're already going for the wild card, like the Yankees are run right. away with the division. So I don't think they want to risk breaking McClanahan unnecessarily. Um, We'll see how he, like, for example, he's been the number one pitcher so far, uh, pretty clearly been the number one pitcher so far. I don't, I wouldn't take him first for the second half. And that would be the reason it wouldn't be his effectiveness on a per innings basis that in that I would justify taking him in a second half only league, but I would take, for example, Corbin Burns ahead of him in a second half only league because of workload considerations.
1: I would too. Um, Yeah. He second place behind McClanahan is Justin Verlander uh $31 I don't, have, I don't have any Verlander this year it's, it's sad yeah uh so that's a mistake uh and just because I don't have any of them I mean there's a lot of that going on so the top three guys are McClanahan Verlander Sandy Alcantara Burns is fifth who's fourth in earned auction value on the on the uh Roto-Wire earned auction values among starting pitchers or among pitchers because it's one of the same
2: Tony no Gonsolin. closers
1: in the top 10 Tony, Tony- Gonsolin is correct there We go 10 wins that'll go far away yes. 0.82 whip 154 URA. So he has fewer strikeouts than his compatriots, only 77, but mm-hmm. 10 wins will carry you pretty far,
2: yes, absolutely. And I noticed that, um, like I was doing a lot of <coughs> writing, to, writing today on a lot of different topics, and I noticed that, like, pretty much all the Dodgers pitchers that qualify are right up there in whip, like, he's at yep. 0.82 um Arias is really high Tyler Anderson's really high like the the Dodger magic is working on these guys like we're not getting from some of them like Kershaw we haven't got the durability Mm -hmm. but on a pernings basis Kershaw has been great like if you said again halfway through the season oh he's only made 10 starts so that's too bad well he's got five wins his ERA is about two and a half his whip's just over one you could replace him those few weeks that he didn't start at least with a reliever or something like he hasn't been bad so far for where you drafted him so um you know if he could stay healthy the rest of the way i walker bueller is obviously a huge bust but the rest of them uh these dodgers pitchers are are meeting expectations arias was kind of off to a slow start the season but now
1: he's fine now
2: yeah the numbers look good now and
1: pitched well last night again
2: yeah he's an era fip guy right now like his era's 2.57 2.57 is FIPS 410. So it's not all lining up. But Bueller no. did that dance. Bueller's done that dance for years for you know his whole career. Um, so I'm not I like I would not write in an article, for example, that Arias should be traded right now because it's gonna blow up in the second half. Like he could keep this going the rest of the way.
1: I think a lot of his negative indicators were early too. Mm-hmm. Like yep. the reasons that pushed his FIP higher, like his strikeouts were low early, his yep. velocity was low early. Um, his innings were low early on, and now he's a lot better as far as that goes. Yeah, uh, you home, mentioned. He had, sorry, I was, he had some homer problems early, too. Those are yep. mostly corrected. 100% agree. Uh, you mentioned how McClanahan might get managed a little bit down the stretch. The Astros are actually managing their starters. They're going to a six man right now. Odorizzi came back off right. the IL yesterday, was not good, um, but they still won the game. And that buy- it just buys their, all their young starters extra time. You know, we're talking about Urquidy, who's had some injury history. Javier, who hasn't had a full season as a starter. Verlander, not a young guy, but coming off of a year, off-year injury-wise. Um, Chris, you know, Javier, obviously, we mentioned. Uh, but, you know, there, there's reason to stretch these guys out a little bit longer. They're still without Lance McCullers. They might get him at some point, too. But you can see the rationale before it. Even even though it makes the overall hole maybe a little weaker, they've got enough buffer in the AL West, they can get away with it.
2: That's right, yeah. is the weak link. The other pitchers are all really good, but, I mean, Verlander is another guy who should could use his innings to, you know, come up at a slower rate in the second half.
0: <laughs> Christian
2: mm-hmm. Javier wasn't in the rotation last season, so he probably needs his innings pace a little bit. Right. Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. And these things, they don't usually last forever. One of those six starters will go down at some point in the second half, and when that happens, they can just transition back to a five-man rotation if they want. So I think for them... Even though I think Oderizzi stinks, but I think a six-man rotation. And you never know. There could be a situation where the Astros lose a starter or two to injury in the second half who aren't Oderizzi, and they actually need right. him. So maybe they need to keep him starting and try to figure him out because he's been reasonably effective in the past, but not recently.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think you can spot him. I think he's a spot starter. Of course, you would have spotted him this week is the problem. It's a- it's Royals and A's at home. Uh-huh. I think this week. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, unless it's Tigers and the Royals, I guess. But or Reds or there's a lot of bad teams. Um, right. Got some. I, I thought I got some pretty good responses on Twitter to that question. So let's go r- rip through those, and then we'll get to some other substantive stuff out of that. I know we're going reverse order of your desired order here, That's but okay. uh, it's good responses. Mike a friend and colleague, uh, said dropping Nick Pavetta in April. Nick Pavetta. Man, what a what a season he's had.
2: <sighs> yeah, that's a frustrating one, but definitely one where I like when I see that I'm like, well that's totally understandable. Like I would have dropped Nick. I never drafted Nick Pavetta. Good for those who believe in him, but um yeah, I would have I would have not been that into to Nick Pavetta He had a 453 RA last year mm-hmm. and you, you know that that was better than his ERAs in all his other seasons. So yep. so I, I wouldn't have been that into him. He's a good he was already a good source of strikeouts. So some people in the deeper leagues were I think holding him for that. And right. but he's and he's then he's just become so much more. But yeah, if you dropped him, especially if he was in a twelve, I don't th- I don't think Mike should regret that too much. I know it's regrettable, but you shouldn't kick him <laughs> I mean, too
1: much on April 20th his ERA stood at 10. Yeah? Ten. Why, so I get why it.
2: Why would you not drop, especially in a 12? Why would you keep Nick Pavetta when his ERA is 10? Or even after the next start, actually, late at the end of April, it was eight two seven. Yeah. 2 the On May 6th, it was seven eighty four, and he had not had a quality start yet that season on May right. 6th. So why would you, especially in a 12, why would you not drop someone who was p- pitching terribly and in the previous seasons hadn't pitched well either? exactly so i mean good, good for question. again good for the people who saw the light and kept him, but or were a little more patient but i don't think he should mike should kick himself for that one
1: yeah i, I tend to agree with you on that uh just zimmerman says pitcher hitting balance pitcher pitching pitcher hitter balance he's got a main event team has one of the best pitching stats and no offense and he's in a super crazy good hitting and absolutely no pitching uh and some of that, you know, follow up question from someone uh, from tomorrow's baseball today said, how much is this linked to injuries versus draft strategy? Very good question. But I, I think it's really good to ask that question, you, you know, maybe at the end of the season, maybe now uh, and see if 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 it if it is a systemic thing or is it luck. But, you know, not having balance in an overall contest is a killer. You can get away with lack of balance in a standalone league and maybe a super he'll, he'll be able to pull that. But if you want to try to, you know, as Jim, Jim Coventry calls it, a jackpot league where you have an overall, you really need to get, you know, every, you need to compete in everything.
2: Yeah. And I'm, I actually share the super team with Jeff that he's talking about. And, oh, OK. Um, it, so what's it, the blame? Jeff, has, it's interesting. Jeff, Jeff will be able to analyze this really well because he has so many teams that at the end of the year, I think he'll be able to look at like common threads throughout his teams. And, uh-huh. Was he, was he weak in power in a lot of teams? Was he weak in speed in a lot of teams, pitching, whatever, and try to find trends and relate that back to draft strategy? And that's super. Uh, what's interesting about it is we ended up – it it, wasn't, it has been injuries and just kind of taking the <coughs> wrong pitchers. Like we um, took Araldus Chapman in the fifth round. That did not go well. We took Eduardo Rodriguez. I want to say like the eighth or ninth round. That did not go well. Uh, we took John Means, which was, I think, a decent plan. Um, that's just bad luck right there. Yep. Bad luck. I got one start out of them. Um, we took Marcus Stroman right after means that did not go well. So you just see there's, that took us to about round 13. So I just named what four pitchers we took up to round 13 that were all busts and like big busts, uh, in there we took Arias and we also took, um, Presley and that, has saved a bit of our pitching staff, but in that league, we have like, it's a 15 team week. We have like 70 hitting points. Like we oh. bounce around between like 68 and 70 hitting points out of 75 and like 20 pitching points. And every week is just a grind and in a 15 team league. It's just so hard to find players on waiver pitchers on waivers. And it is a grind every week to just try to find a useful starter to stream or I don't know, a really good, re- you can grab really good relievers, but we've fallen like way back in strikeouts. We've fallen way back in wins and we're just trying to piece it. Oh, we had, we drafted Andrew Heaney really smart pick. Yeah. he's off to a great start. And then he's basically been hurt all the time for two, the last couple two of injuries. Months. Yep. And we've been, well, holding, let me ask and, you this. And we've been uh, holding these guys. Like we held Heaney. We've held, We still have him. We held Chapman. We held Rodriguez for a while and then he was about to come back and he had this personal issue. So then we finally dropped him. We've had to hold Strowman. So we had so many weeks where we had four or five injured pitchers on our bench. And then that really limits your ability to just grab a whole bunch of pitchers and hope that you find someone who hits.
1: Of those, so of those 20 hitting uh, pitching points you have, how many of them are in saves?
2: Like six or so. Okay. So
1: my question is, do you consider embracing some sort of extreme strategy and like forego ratios maybe and just go like nine starters every single week and try to just pile on wins and strikeouts because it's a standalone. It's not a overall contest because you already yeah. got the hitting points. If you can just get like, you know, and it's not like you're protecting like a 12 points and saves or something like that. You, you've got, you know, you, you've got some, buff, you know, you're not, yeah. you don't have a whole lot of downside there. Even eight, one every week you know, where you're just piling on the starts and starts and get every two stepper you can, um, without, and maybe you don't have to be as discerning on which starters. So you don't have to bid as much. You just get two steps every week. You get like fit, you know, you get 13 to 16 starts every week. Maybe you make up some ground on wins and K's that way.
2: Maybe the hard part is I think that would cost us probably about eight points in the ratios,
1: and okay, then, so you do so, have some and we're some last, to give
2: up there. We're last in wins and Ks, so we would have to make up those eight points plus more. Um, I sometimes I wonder if we need to go the other way and just well, no sure punt wins and Ks and try to rise back tries to rise well, up. Well, yeah. The ratio. Well, that that's
1: just yeah. Try some but, sort of extreme strategy. Yeah,
2: it's it's a tricky <coughs> one definitely. And then you pick up this good reliever because you're like, okay, well, we'll pick up this reliever. He's got a two ERA and a point eight, five whip and we'll throw him for a week. And then of course mm-hmm. that ends up being the week where he pitches two innings and gives up two or three runs. And That's you're called like, getting ah. Lugo'd. Yeah. Seth Lugo. Yeah.
1: Lugo <laughs> is like the biggest practitioner of that. I mean, I've, I've had that happen to me before. It's
2: happened to me with Seth Lugo too. And he doesn't completely, the reliever doesn't completely kill you. It's just that like the whole reason you picked him up is you were looking for like three scoreless innings and you right. didn't get that. So, and now he was basically worthless to you and you're thinking, oh, I should try to start her. But yeah, at some point, I mean, we're only halfway through the season. It's At true. some point, though, we'll have to formulate some sort of oddball strategy. If we've been kind of floating around between like third and fifth place, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. But anyways, that's an example of a team where everything went wrong, but it wasn't because we drafted like eight hitters in the first ten rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, the pitchers just like Eduardo Rodriguez, Marcus Stroman, John Means, bust, bust, bust this Chapman bust Andrew Heaney always heard I guess Heaney we could have saw coming and he was more like around 20 or 18 or something like that but the other guys um, yeah we just picked the wrong pitchers it wasn't like we didn't pick pitchers
1: yeah yeah you that's know. okay so in general
2: I, I have more pitching points I think than hitting points on my other teams
1: yeah I was gonna ask sure. you bad luck bad strategy bad partner no not yeah no <laughs> You know, lots of different things that you could do there. Uh, Frank says his big mistake. I was so impatient and dropped J Rod in the beginning of this season. He looked, ju- he looked, just looks so overmatched. Still a game and a half out of first, uh, so it hasn't been disqualifying for him yet. But had a had a discussion Sunday night and a subsequent thread today on Twitter. How early does J Rod go next year? I uh, and I thought maybe behind Soto, and, and the consensus has been no, no way does Soto go ahead of J Rod those stolen bases i get it mm-hmm. and some have been making the case for him to be the 1.1 1. 1. certainly in dynasty leagues i can see it but even in redraft next year i mean would you would you draft i mean you can't draft Tatis over you know j-rod at this point you know sight unseen entities we don't know what's going to be with him uh i mean you could make a case for it I, I probably would go i mean i'd still probably go turner over him but i get it i understand
2: oh yeah i could So let's say that J-Rod just keeps doing what he's doing and he Hmm. finishes up around 25 homers, 40 steals, which he could actually go higher in the homers because hit like none in the first month. He's been on a better than 25 homer (laughs) pace since then. He could go 30, 30 and 40. Um, I think I could still make a good case for Turner just on the consistent excellence of Turner in that Dodgers lineup. What's crazy about Turner is he's on pace for like 120 RBIs this year. Uh, which is, he's usually, if you get 75 from him, he's doing well, 80 or something. This would be yeah. great for him, but he's getting more RBIs because he's in a better lineup than he's ever been in before. Um, mm-hmm. the I think you could still make a case for Tatis, assuming Tatis comes back somewhere in the second half and just looks like himself. I think you can make that case for sure. Um, I think you can make a case for Acuna because same thing with Acuna. Like, he's, he's running, so we're not worried about him not running. He hasn't been, like, his best, as a hitter since he's come back. But like, I don't think there's much doubt that by next season, he's back to being like the 40 Homer type hitter. I don't know. I I think he will be next year back to being a 40 Homer type hitter. I think maybe he'll hit that at some point this year, like where he gets back to like being that type of player. Um, So I think you can make a case for him. I think those guys after that, I'd say after those three, Jose Ramirez, it's probably yeah. in there, especially with how bad third base
1: is. How but early maybe, does Judge go for you? Say he, goes, he she, resigns with the Yankees.
2: Right. So I guess I'm just, maybe I'm just not the Judge guy. But for me, okay. So for me this year, Vlad's ceiling was like pick like five, six, seven, somewhere in there. And mm-hmm. I think I'll feel the same way about Judge as I did about Vlad going into the season. Vlad's been a little disappointing, but. You know going into the season, we saw him as a guy who could hit 300 and hit 40 home runs and be among the league leaders in RBIs and runs scored. Yeah, to me, Judge will be kind of the same thing, maybe a little lower batting average projection than we had for Guerrero going into the season, but maybe a little higher homer projection,
1: right? Um,
2: I still don't shake the thought that Judge could be injury prone completely. Um, so I don't know if
1: totally fair, by the way. So
2: I think that that's where I'll have Judge. I think that's where I'll have. Judge, probably Soto, Guerrero is like like mid to late first round in Roto Leagues just because they don't steal bases. Like, I think I'll have Ramirez ahead of all those guys, assuming I still project him to have over 20 steals next year.
1: That makes sense. Um, we get that.
2: But I can see taking Rodriguez ahead of Ramirez if someone wanted to, just saying that if Rodriguez can be a 40-type steal player and hit 30 homers, Ramirez can match the homers, but he can't match, probably match those steals anymore. Uh, batting average is probably pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see someone. And then just with Rodriguez being so young, I think he, I think just on optimism, Rodriguez gets in the top five, but yeah, I, there is a chance that he could be the one, one in some drafts next year.
1: Yep. I think Acuna it's, could still be in the one, one again. Yeah. Um, my, my most wrong, I think, because I've, you know, I made that thing. Uh, the debate is what about Otani? Um, <clears throat> I could see it, except I, I because the way the rules are in leagues, I don't see it. Um, if you got everything that he did, then I think he's sure. easy to one point one. But because unless you're in auto new or some ESPN leagues or you know some home leagues, you don't get. You have to choose every week, pitcher or hitter. You don't get a, You don't get the fairy tale. Um, because of that, I can't I can't make him over those guys. He he's end of first round for me still, maybe even middle first round. But I think that's about this the peak for me. Uh, if they ever change the rules, then, you can, then he's he's an easy one yeah, point one.
2: It's a new thing, but yeah. It, and as long as his batting average projection is capped around two sixty, like he's a career two sixty four hitter, mm-hmm. haven't seen anything the last couple of years to make us think that he's any different than that. Then I think as long as if that's where he's at it's hard to push him too high up in the rankings. So like that, you have to kind of hold that against him. Um, Kyle Tucker is another guy. He'll be, I think, a top 10 pick again next year because he'll probably be somewhere in the vicinity of a 30-30 guy this year. His runs scored are kind of low because sometimes they hit hit him too low in the lineup. But he might drive in 100 runs this year. if He's a 30-30 guy and drives in 100 runs. And he kind of got off to a slow start. Like he's hitting 259, but I can't do the math in front of me right now. But I bet he's hitting... Take away the first few weeks, he's probably hitting 275 or something like that. So, um, I think he'll be a first rounder next year, too. I guess yeah. you could say Rodriguez. So, if I compare Rodriguez to Kyle Tucker, like Rodriguez has a higher steals upside, Tucker's just done it a little more. I don't know. I yeah. think I might take Rodriguez, I guess, if he can keep this going the rest of the year,
1: right? Right.
2: Imagine if we have Rodriguez in the first round, first five picks next year, sorry, and Bobby Witt in the second round. That's quite possible if Whit finishes the season with a, like a high number of right. homers and steals and we just need to project a little more batting average.
1: Well, I was just going to say the average is the thing that's holding him back. By the way, the other counter-argument against Otani too is when you use him as a hitter, he's as a UT. And yep. there, is, there, there, there is a cost. There is, I think you have to apply a little bit of discount to someone who's UT only. Mm-hmm. I see it all the time. In the, the leagues where I have Otani and Cruz and I want to try to move somebody around, I can't. I'm, I'm locked in there. You know, that, that spot's taken. Um, But, you know, you know, it's just, it's a small drag on his value. I like Brad, Brad Johnson says leagues that don't allow a to hit and pitch are ridiculous moving into this century. I'd like to do (laughs) it at the same time too. Uh, That's my whole point. I mean, I, the ones like, even I think the tout wars rule, which I'm on the board, I have power to try to articulate a change. I can't, I can't, I'm only one vote on that board, but I I don't like the two Otani's rule that there's a separate hitter and a separate pitcher and you draft each of them. Um, you can get both of them. I guess it puts a better better way of figuring out what his true value is because you add the two together. Um, but still, you know, it's, it's kind of like how we split up Tiger Woods in my golf league. I've told you this one probably before, but uh, back when Tiger Woods was at his peak in our our golf auction league, we did March Tiger, April Tiger, May Tiger. Uh, in a hundred dollar budget league, his the all the monthly tigers added up to like one sixty seven or so.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and, I, and I, I agree. At the yeah. same time, Brett, I, I agree that should be it. I uh, think
2: I think the fantasy industry has handled Otani very cautiously since he arrived because people I think are worried about him breaking the game. Mm-hmm. And it's first of all, there's the tech side of it, but then second of all i think and you mentioned the tiger woods which i think is a great analogy i can mention the 1980s wayne gretzky i was in fantasy hockey leagues in the 80s where you weren't allowed to draft gretzky because it was just he finished with 70 he finished with 200 points and the next guy had like 140 but
1: then it was gretzky and lemieux and, it, and then it was there was a time
2: but there was a time before that where it was ju- it was be gretzky at like 200 points and then the next guy would be at like 140
1: and that and would it be it, paul coffee his teammate and then, no, then or, the next or, guy or, would be a, and the next a curry and, yes you know, so yeah.
2: we would. So a lot of leagues would say you can't draft Gretzky because it just gave the person who got the first pick, like a in a points like pure points draft, like a sixty or seventy point advantage. And forget mm-hmm. the over the guy who picked last in the first round, it gave him yeah. like a one hundred point advantage. But he would draft Gretzky and be like, "Well, I got two hundred points." The guy who had the last pick on the turn to draft two one hundred point projected guys and be like, "Well, we're even, and you haven't picked yet in the second round." So I think I think we've handled Otani cautiously because people are were worried maybe about him breaking the game and making himself too valuable. If you, and then the league isn't and you don't want a situation where people are joining these leagues and putting all the work in. And it's just like, well, the person who drafts Otani just has this massive advantage. And if they just manage their team decently, the rest of the way they'll win. Well, let's let it they,
1: happen one time first we before we worry yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of risk with any pitcher, you know, we've seen it with Otani himself getting through yeah. a full season yeah. It's also a little eliminated, a little cut back a little bit because he makes twenty six to twenty seven starts instead of thirty two or thirty three. Mm-hmm. Um, God, and let alone if they ever skip him on a turn just to preserve him and all that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, anyways, um, yeah, yeah, a lot of that. A couple more mistakes, and then we'll move on. Uh, Mike Carter said on Twitter: biggest mistake, not rostering enough bench depth in front in favor of carrying extra pitchers. I think in season that's. a g- fantastic point i think on draft day there are, especially if you draft early that's not fatal in fact i think it almost the pendulum swings the other way but i've felt that in my main event league uh, multiple times now i've had a pitcher uh, an outfielder get hurt on a monday and i've had nobody to replace him you know because like my outfit i have my extra outfielders on you on uh the ut spot or i have elo i've been carrying Eloy. you know right now i'm carrying by the way Eloy is active today um so good news there Uh, but you know, Harper and Eloy, well, it's, I only have three bench guys that are hitters and I just don't have enough to swap it. However, uh, you know, and that, and that means I'm carrying too many pitchers on my bench on a seven man bench. I need to, to have more depth to be able to, to take care of, you know, last minute injuries to be able to pivot when a player only has two games or something like that. I think that's an absolutely great point. Uh, but if you draft in February, like we do in labor, I'm more than happy to use five or six of my seven bench spots on pitchers and then cut them as we get closer to the start of the season.
2: Yeah, that makes total sense. But, yeah, as the season goes along – and I got, I have to give Jeff Zimmerman a lot of credit for this in sharing some teams with him. He's, he does a great job when we do our fab bids on Sunday nights of making sure that our roster will be set as such for the week where on mm-hmm. our bench we're able to cover – a wide variety of injuries, you know, yeah. if injuries pop up on Monday, if they pop up on Thursday, going into Friday, but that, you know, we don't get in a situation where our second baseman gets hurt and we look down and we're like, Oh, we can't, we can't replace them. So right. just having someone on your back to replace <laughs> them is, it does add up over a long season. So yes, that, I think that's a great point. Um, it's, it's really important to do that. I mean, you can play, you can play, like a bit of a dare game with it the first couple weeks of the season, if you're trying to kind of hoard some pitchers and keep them and see who turns out. But then I think it's time to get down to business after that and make sure you have some bench depth.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, finally, Galen says uh, his big mistake spending $18 on Joe Adele in an a only keeper league. Yeah. Opportunity cost is a killer there. I mean, because $18 could be spent on a lot of good players there um, mm-hmm. in a keeper league. And yeah, that's brutal. And eh. I get it. I mean, I don't think that's disqualifying. It's one spot. I mean, we all are going to have miss misses. We're all going to whiff on a player. $18 is a big whiff, but it's not the biggest whiff I've ever seen.
2: Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing about this is um, you can make these huge mistakes. Joe Adele for $18 dropping J Rod. You can make all these huge mistakes and you can still win your league. Like I've had teams before that have, one leagues and then I go back and look at the draft or I go back and look at the auction. And oh I'm yeah. Like, oh, what was I thinking there? And what was I doing with that guy? And Oh, that, that guy was a bust. Like, you know, Wars last year, I remember I dra- I spent a ton on Trevor Bauer. I bought Luis Castillo. I bought Francisco Lindor and you know, so you can have a bunch of mistakes and that's what makes the game good and fun is you can make some mistakes and still work your way to winning the title. So it's yeah. not. I find fantasy football a little more damning there. If you blow some early round picks, like sometimes it's really hard to make up for them in fantasy baseball. You can you can go the depth route and and find your way to still to a title. But yeah, eighteen bucks on Joe Adele. That's a tough one. It I get it in a keeper, especially.
1: Exactly. All right, we're gonna move past the mistakes. Oh, I mean, I'm sure others will come up because you know next player we mentioned. Oh, I screwed that one up too. But first, before we do anything, we're gonna take a. a quick five seconds to put in our ads from uh, the blue wire network
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast
1: Thank you for indulging us those five seconds if you're listening live or if two minutes, if you're listening on, on delay. Um, So, you know, it's, there's a lot of other stuff going on Bryce Harper. So uh, we actually had a question Joel asked about Bryce Harper. What do you do with him? Uh, Can you, his pins were set today. Uh, We're still waiting to get kind of a, a, a timetable if you will on him, but you know, we, we have, you know, it's a tough call. I mean, in fact, Uh, The only thing I see is actually uh, audio right now, so I'm not going to listen to that. I'll have to listen to that later. Uh, But, anyways, um, what are you doing with Bryce Harper in an NPC style league?
2: I mean, that's depend a little bit on how many other injuries you have, but when Bryce hype harper says no i'll be back this year (laughs) that actually isn't good to me to my ears that's not good when you have to tell us that you'll be back this year i'm like no 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 no." if we're gonna if i'm gonna get fantasy value out of you you got to be back for like six weeks this year like Mm -hmm. you making some triumphant return with two or three weeks left of the season like i'm not interested in that at this point i i want to know you're going to be back in mid-august if i'm holding on to you um it depends how many injuries you have I think there are definitely some scenarios where he needs to be cut you have to look at your league standings um and you have to look at your the rest of your bench and what you have I think there are some scenarios right now where he needs to be cut
1: yeah J.E. from Monrovia is playing in the 15 team main event league and has him and Eloy and wants to know what to do so as soon as you let as soon as you figure that out let me know but yeah um yeah, it's a tough call. Meanwhile, I was slightly wrong in Eloy Jimenez. Here's the deal. He's actually with the team, but he hasn't been activated yet. Uh, Tony LaRusso said that – this is from James Fegan uh, from, I believe, The Athletic. He says that uh, Jimenez could be activated tomorrow. He's been cleared to play the outfield, but they will probably avoid playing the field the three straight days in the early early going. Uh, so he is not yet activated today, uh, He's, but he just walked in. So good news, he'll be back tomorrow probably. Uh um,
2: Sorry, I was going to say one more thought I had on, on Harper and, and Jimenez and these injured yep. players. If you can do it, um, I think you can take a little bit of an advantage maybe of the all-star break to buy some time with Harper. Like, your roster for this week is already done. Yep. probably Like, like depending on your league format, but it's already set. And then, mm-hmm. there's after this week, there'll be fa- fab bidding on Sunday where you would drop Harper. And then, there's you've got to have a roster for next week. And then, the following week is just a partial week. So... At, if you can, if you can find a way to get through next week and keep Harper, it shouldn't be too hard to get through the partial week and keep them. That gives you from here like two and a half weeks before yeah. you have to make a decision. And maybe in two and a half weeks, you get some encouraging news or or discouraging news, and then the decision becomes a little more clear. I know that every week you hold, him, <coughs> like there is an opportunity cost there, and in, in, right. in, in every week that you hold them, but at least. At least with the All Star break in there, maybe it's a little easier to hold them for a couple weeks and then see see where things are going.
1: Right, and I'll tell you, like right now, my bench hitters are Harper, Brantley, Tyrone Taylor on the concussion aisle. Mm-hmm. He's probably a cut, by the way. <laughs> yeah. We should have probably cut him and gotten just somebody, anybody in case he, in Casey Pops, uh, and Josh Donaldson, who has kind of just been a flat nothing this year. Brad Johnson knows what I speak of here. He he said it's his biggest mistake ever uh yeah he's been pretty bad he has been pretty bad this year um so haven't cut him yet either holding on to that dead weight uh so that's my bench roster talk about no no flexibility and summing guys in for the rest of the week and that's with Eloy active hoping that he play a couple of games in this first half of the week so that's where I'm at right now it's and it's a competitive team I won Vinny in that league by the way Won of them in both my mains uh so then you're uh, set I'm, I'm set for life dude <laughs> <laughs> uh, i get to carry them over it's a rule it's a very obscure but important rule that if okay. i win the italian breakfast or italian nightmare as your case may be i get to keep them that's uh, just a rule it's very it's very important um nobody else gets to either um uh, <laughs> but uh no it's uh it's it's a competitive team i'm trying to do my best to get through no harper it's tough
2: yeah absolutely I, at least you have some other names there like you said with taylor some other guys there you can probably cut. And that's what you'll probably end up doing. You'll probably, my guess is you'll keep Harper because you'll find some other guys by Sunday you can cut. Mm-hmm. That'll be enough to get what reinforcements happened? in yeah. for next week. You'll get the reinforcements in for next week. That'll get you through the one week to get you to the all-star break. Then you'll catch your breath and see what's going on on Harper. Then there'll be a partial week <laughs> and you'll say, well, I can get it a partial week. And then we'll see where you go from there on the Sunday after the partial week.
1: All right, I'm going to let you choose your own adventure here. Do you want to profile prospect? Do You want to go closers, hitters, or starters? What do you want to hit next? Yeah,
2: we. I actually actually enjoyed that uh, worst moves of the season or whatever you want to call it, biggest mistakes of the year a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah. Let's talk prospects first because I think we have an interesting debut coming on Wednesday.
1: Okay, uh, Brian Bello making the, the the debut for the Red Sox. There, he's you know he gets a little overlooked because you know we're all waiting for Max Meyer. Uh, but, uh, Bell, you know, he's having a great year and he's on a good, getting a call for a good team.
2: Yeah. Um, some, some things to like with him. Strikeout rate is great. Walk rates a little high, um, doesn't give up a lot of home runs or at least hasn't given up a lot of home runs in the minors. So -hmm. that's good. Um, so if, you know, if you're looking for, and, and he's going to a good team, not a great park to pitch in. But he's going to a good team. He's probably going to have a fair amount of difficult matchups down the stretch in the AL East. But and, and this all just assumes he can stay in the rotation. Like, we'll see how Wednesday goes and what the Red Sox say after Wednesday. But we haven't seen a lot of good starting pitchers come through the waiver wire recently. Like, we had... Past Quintino who everybody was super excited about, and some people were excited about Hall from the Phillies and you know his power and then going back a few weeks with Yepes and and there was a few prospects all at once. We haven't seen a lot of starting pitchers come through the waiver wire, like prospect wise, recently. So I think there'll be some appetite for Bello if the Wednesday start goes well and he's gonna stay in the
1: rotation. Yeah. Um and that, you know, the dead arm thing for Waka, that's scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that that could be beyond. Uh, it may not be for Walker either. I mean, they, 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 that that last rotation spot's a little in flux. Who knows when they get it sailed back? They yeah. said that Whitlock's going to go in the uh in the bullpen when he comes back. So, who knows? I mean, that that could be a pretty good pickup. Um, did you pick him up in friends and family yet?
2: Well, of course I tried and was too late.
1: Okay, like, oh, I didn't even look yet, so you're ahead no. of me.
2: I tried; I was <laughs> too late. Uh, the Red Sox could have a pretty interesting rotation coming up in the second half. Like they've dug themselves completely out of that slow start to the season. Yeah, um, they've maybe found a closer with Hauk um, Whitlock in the bullpen would make that bullpen better, and then mm-hmm. you get Sale back in the rotation and Pavetta pitching as well as he had. And like if someone like Bello could come up and you know hit for them not hit literally but be a hit for them as far as uh doing well um yeah that all of a sudden boston starts looking kind of scary
1: yeah yeah i don't not not to the yankees necessarily but though maybe for the playoffs but uh not for the regular season i think they're too far behind there but they do match up against each other this week Bello gets uh he gets to face the rays instead of the yankees that's good you know it, yep. That helps a little bit there. Yep. You know, right now the you know, Red Sox are kind of faking it. You know, Cutter Crawford started yesterday. He's going to start again over the weekend. But then we've told we got Sale penciled in for next Monday at Tampa. Uh, Winkowski is still in the rotation. He's been fine so far. I think he's going to. I think he'll turn into a pumpkin eventually. I'm not. I'm not overly impressed with him, but he's been. He's been fine enough. But getting some depth to that bullpen would help too. Getting Whitlock in that bullpen's big.
2: Oh, huge! I mean. If, if how could be their closer, if you get Whitlock in the bullpen and then, I mean, if you could add most contenders, will add some reliever mm-hmm. at, at the deadline, they add another reliever. Yeah. They could be a scary team. And you know, the Yankees, like, like sure, the Yankees are going to cruise to winning the division, but we all know the history and how many teams win the major league regular season, but don't win in October because October is such a crap shoot. So, I mean, I'm sure the Yankees management is still really worried. They could run away from the division, but then get stuck in a series mm-hmm against a hot Red Sox team or a hot Tampa team or something like that. And right, you know, end up being one of those trivia questions. How many games did the Yankees win in twenty twenty two and then they didn't didn't get to the World Series?
1: Right. You know, right. It could happen. always yeah. always see uh time. let's start let's talk starting pitching next. Eric Lauer, you know, had a really good outing, didn't get a W. Uh mean you know, Josh Hader couldn't hold a lead. Uh weird. But uh <laughs> in this case so Eric Lauer he struck out nine. It was against the Cubs who he had a really good home start against the Cubs in April, a mediocre start against them in Chicago more recently. But he had been pitching pretty poorly recently. So this was a, this was nice to see a good outing from him.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it turns things around, at least for one start. Um, I'm going to want to see him do this against someone better than the Cubs before I'm totally back in, I did use him in our um, labor league. Cause he had two starts this week and the, yep. it was Cubs pirates. Like I just, I couldn't turn that down. Like he, maybe oh. he burned me, but I couldn't turn down that, that two. Right. Steps, it's so. a
1: perfect, it's a perfect two step. Yeah. So and the first
2: start went well. I mean, he didn't get the win surprisingly <laughs> a hater. That's yeah. my first blown save. But anyways, the nine strikeouts is good. Um, I'm still going to need to see a little more because there've been a lot of poor starts in a row Sure. Uh, from him. So, I'm not out of the woods yet. In fact, maybe his ERA is still a nice, like it's okay, like 384, his whip's one nineteen. Mm-hmm. If he had a nice start against the pirates, maybe I'd look to shop him in a trading league. See if I can yeah. say, like, hey, this guy's back on track. His his ERA is, you know, 375 now and his whip's one one eight. Like, maybe I can get I might look to move him if he had another good start. Our, um,
1: I feel like though, like most people either were on him. Already in the first place, Mm -hmm. and maybe you get one other person in your league that was on him, Mm -hmm. or like they weren't on him. They weren't on him for you know, and they just didn't believe him because they weren't on him in the first first place. So they're like, yeah, what am I going to give for that? You know, I yeah maybe I feel like he's a hard guy to kind of spin off. I could be wrong about Mm -hmm. that.
2: His overall strikeout rate this year also is is pretty good, but it was down a lot recently. But on the year, it's eighty nine and eighty four innings. You know, if he had a bunch of strikeouts against the Pirates it's still, it'd be still well above a strike of an inning. And I don't know, maybe I'm like, I wouldn't want the moon for him, but maybe a reliever I really like or something like that. It would be more about moving him. If I was right. wary of starting him going forward and he had those two good starts back to back, I might just want to move him for someone who I'm not wary of using.
1: For sure. Yeah. Hitters. Um, how happy are you that Mookie Betts is playing second base if you have him?
2: I don't have them. Um, I'd only be for this year. I would say I'm not, it wouldn't be like a huge game changer right. for me. Like, cause you've drafted your team. I think the big advantage, if you like is getting those guys in your draft and then knowing you've got him at second base and that you don't have to get a second baseman the rest of the way. Right, right. now, by now you've already got second baseman because <laughs> you had to cover that position all season. Like it's right. a bit of a bonus. I don't know. It'd be interesting to know, like out of every 10 teams that have Mookie Bats how many of them really use that second base eligibility once it happens? Like how many of them really use that over the remainder of the season? I would say only a couple probably. And how
1: likely is it that he gets to 20 for next year?
2: At this point, I've got to think there's a decent chance. Yeah. Right. Like if he could put together a bunch of them in a row, I don't know. I I think there's, I think there's a chance that would be to, to me, that's the bigger story. Like is, could he, could he have second base eligibility next season? That that would that, would, be that would make a big difference. That infield outfield eligibility is really nice, especially in draft and hold leagues and, and really large leagues. It's it's a really nice benefit.
1: It's not so nice if you have to keep watching Gavin Lux play left field, though. That's true. Did you, did you see that play on Sunday against the yeah. uh, the Padres? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know which was worse, his play on that ball and, and the rest of the outfield not backing him up, by the way. <laughs> or, or Luke Voigt, who's still standing at home plate, it's, watching it, yeah. seeing if it's going to go out. <laughs> i so bad so yeah bad. they got lucky on that one there um yeah,
2: a bad baseball moment all around
1: yeah uh byron buxton still with one steal i think they they just said you're not it's like trout with him yeah uh, you run him. you're not running you got hurt trying to steal in boston remember in fact he stole that base he was he was successful but that was he he's been. He, i don't think he's attempted a stolen base since then and they may not let him for the rest of the year and he's not hitting for average either i mean uh my my interest level on him has gone way down
2: so that i i'm not i usually say the negative things about buxton i'll switch hats and say some positive things about him Okay, his, his babbitt this season's 219 his x batting average from statcast is i forget it off the top of my head but it's about 268 so okay. it's, that's actually not bad so if buxton could be like he's, he's on like a 40 homer pace like if he could be a 40 homer guy who hits 265 even without the steals he could be pretty valuable um he still can't shake the injury prone tag we'll see where things go in the second half but I agree I think the steals aren't coming back I think the batting average could come back and I think the power we can safely say now is legit because this year it's 22 and 62 games last year it was 19 and 61 games the year before it was 13 and 39 games like that's three seasons in a row where he's hit at you know, roughly a 40 homer pace when he's been healthy, a little yeah. better than that the last couple of years. So, I think the power's legit. Yeah, the steals could be <coughs> gone at least for this year and probably going forward.
1: Yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, I think you're, you're right about that. Marcus Semyon has woken up after a terrible start. He's at 10 homers, 14 stolen bases. They moved him to third in the order, and I think he hit second the other day. They flip flopped he and Seeger, but for the most part, and that's helped him a little bit. I think it's just random, like. Passage of time has helped him too.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, he, he got back to normal, more normal in June with an 849 OPS and he, he started July off well. Uh, interestingly enough, he struck out more at a higher rate in June than he did in May when he was really bad. So it's not like he's mm-hmm. cut down on the strikeouts, he's not walking more. Um, he's just enjoying some better batted ball luck. And I like how Marcus Simeon has been looking out for his fantasy managers by continuing, by stealing more bases than usual. Yeah. I feel like he's saying to you, I know he's, he's probably doing him, this man. in all honesty to contribute to the Rangers because he has this massive contract and he hasn't been hitting well. And he's like, I got to do something here to help the team. But for fantasy, he's been a total dud from what you expected in most of the categories. But if he mm-hmm. contributes like 25 or 30 steals, that does make up for a lot. Yeah, it does. Yeah. When Absolutely. you were expecting maybe 15.
1: Yeah, I'd yeah. agree with that. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you probably won't get all your value back, but no. he he's like we were talking earlier, like you get a lot of it back. Who is I forget yeah. who it was I we were talking about earlier. That was a big mistake, maybe, but get it won't be a total bust by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, And so that's same vein. What's it going to take for Wander Franco to get anywhere near the universe where you drafted him?
2: Yeah, I was thinking about Franco when we were talking about J-Rod and thinking the big difference in those two for me, like they're both really high-end prospects. Um, people drafted Franco this year on the premise of what he could be. Like he hadn't actually done it. Like we had seen half a season of him and it involved seven homers and two steals. And I remember having people having these debates in the spring training about like, like how many homers can you really project this guy for already and how many steals. The difference between him and J-Rod is like with Rodriguez like next year, you won't have to project anything. You'll just have to expect him to do what he already did or what he yeah. already did plus a little bit or something That's like right. that. Franco, I felt like we built in a lot of projection, like people talking about how he could be a 25 homer guy already or a 10 steel guy so far. I don't know. He does look like someone who could be a 10 steel guy maybe already. Um the power hasn't been there. Yeah, the batting average has been a bit disappointing. His a little low. Um, I think he'll be good in the second half, better than he's been so far. I even think he right. could be a buy low in leagues because some people might be really frustrated with him.
1: Yeah. I think he's always been a better, like, real-life hitter than a yes. fantasy player, though. Exactly. Oh, um, man. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I think he was drafted in redraft leagues for sure. We'll see about that uh, in the long run. Uh, let's finish with closers. Um, what about the Dodgers situation? Uh, you talked how you think it might have been a waste of time to pick up Bruisedar Gratteroff.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was waiting to see what happened with Kimbrell. He hasn't been good. Um, you know, he's, he's off for a day or two now. I thought maybe Grotterall could get a save this week. And maybe he still will. We'll see. Right. Um, I don't think Kimbrell's totally lost. Like, uh, like when you look at him, like his ERA is almost 5, but his FIPS 2.14. Like, it's yeah. a huge, huge gap that shows he's probably been fairly unlucky. I could still see the Dodgers adding a premium bullpen arm, though. Either a closer or a like a elite setup man, so I don't think Gratterall is going to have a lot of long term value. Uh, it took a shot, whatever. Like that's what you have to do throughout the season and see where it goes. Um, if I gave you an over under for Kimbrel on saves the rest of the way, and I set that at, uh, let's go twelve. What would you take? Over. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's you saying that they won't trade for a closer at the end of July.
1: Yeah, it is me saying that. Yeah. I don't think they, I think they'll, dra- they'll trade for help in the bullpen. Yeah. But I don't think it'll be for a closer. Now it's interesting to hear Dave Roberts come out and emphatically say, I'm not even thinking about considering a uh, change in the closer, but yeah. he will, he'll be off for a couple of days. I don't think it's a waste of time though, for you to take grad or all, I do think that, you know, Robert's line, notwithstanding mm-hmm. at some point, Kimbrough's got to pitch better. And some, you know, and yep. I think he will probably, mm-hmm. but just in case, it's not a bad idea to keep it around. I mean, it, you know, you can give all the votes of confidence in the world. And unless your name is Charlie Manuel, you're going to eventually have to make a change if he continues to be that bad.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Kimberl also, um, looking at like, why is the FIP so low? 415 Babib. He's allowed this year. So, like, 41, like, almost half of the batted balls, not quite, but we're getting close, you know, have have resulted in base hits. That's so been Is that like bad?
0: Pretty yeah,
2: pretty unlucky. So I, I, I think, um, yeah, I think when I set it at 12, it's either, I don't think there's a scenario really where they just work him really hard and he gets like 20 saves in the second half, but I think he'll either get like 14 or 15, or they'll trade for a closer. And then at that point he gets like four or four, yeah, or, you know, between now and the end of July and they trade for a closer. I'm more inclined to say the 14 or 15, which again actually means maybe there's a buy case out there in some leagues where the Kimbrell manager has enough other saves sources to trade him right now and get something for him and not right. take the risk or someone's just fed up with him. Yeah. Someone looks at the area, looks at the whip, looks at him and maybe not having a closers role and says, whatever, I'll, I'll take what I can get for him right now.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah. That's totally fair. Um, let's see, who else did you want to talk about? Oh, Soto. Uh so yeah, uh for for the Tigers, uh, you know, we've seen Gregory Soto you know, pitch pretty well. 16 saves, he's got two wins, 30 K's in 29 innings, uh and one thirteen whip, one fourteen whip. He hasn't hurt you. Uh the the walks are still pretty not great, but not as bad as last year. He hasn't. No, uh, no backdrop backstops were harmed in the filming of this comment. Uh, 30 to 14 K to walk. It's much better than the 40 walks and 63 innings last year.
2: Yeah. I I take the L on him. I didn't think his control skills would be good enough to keep the closers roll. Like you said, they have been a little better this year, but still not good, but they've been Mm -hmm. good enough. He's, and especially on a losing team that doesn't have a lot of pressure. Um, He's only blown two saves. He only blew one save last year. So, Yeah, I I, at the beginning of the year I was really projecting that he wouldn't be able to last the season as closer. Now I think he might. I think I think he has as good a chance as most other relievers now.
1: And we updated our saves projection on him accordingly. Uh, We uh, put him over Michael Fulmer the rest of the way. Yeah. Okay.
2: I I, I totally agree with that.
1: Yeah. But
2: in a similar vein, I've backed off of Fulmer as any sort of like you should stash (laughs) him. You know, at one point I was like you should stash him because he could be their closer at some point. Now I'm not. Yeah. He might get traded I think also by the end of the month and it won't be to close. Soto so. might be too for that matter cuz he's lefty. He yeah,
1: Everybody loves awesome. a lefty. Yeah. So. yeah. As well you should home Tanner. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> Love lefties. There you go. Um so there I think that uh yeah you know, that's that's about it on the close. Is there anybody else you want to talk about before we sign off?
2: Um I saw someone mentioned Daniel Bard. There's another one. I'll take the L on. I did not think he would. I haven't I'm not fully taking the L on him yet. I yep. I didn't I said all along that he would not be able to last. He's not good enough to survive a season as the uh uh as the um Rockies closer. It's just too tough in an environment. So far, um 16 saves. It's right here in our chat. 16 saves, 205 ERA 101 whip. Yeah, he's been
1: fantastic.
0: He's either a better
2: pitcher than I expected. Um I guess he is. I didn't think very, very few pitchers have survived a season as closer in Coors Field. Um, Like it's happened, but not many of them. So, and I didn't think, so basically betting against Coors Field relievers is usually a good plan. Um, I think Bard's going to buck the trend and then next year, you know what? I'll probably bet against him again.
1: Yeah, I, I, I will too. And the yeah. thing is, and it's not, it's not that here's the thing. I'm not going to bet against Bard and in favor of another Rockies reliever. I'm just not going to take right. a Rockies reliever. Uh, same like I'm just not going to take a Reds reliever most likely yeah. in the draft. So, yeah. you know, yeah, there it might be a pitcher that beats it, beats the odds two years in a row, but it's unlikely. And <laughs> at least I am investing in another team instead of like investing in Carlos Esteves or something like that. That's right. Um, I might fab some of these guys, uh, but I'm not going to spend draft capital on them. I think that's, that's just the way I'm, I'm leaning on as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hunter Strickland reds closer right now. Uh, or not. He did blow the save on Sunday. He got, got a win because the reds rally in the bottom of the inning. But, uh, yeah, this is, I think I did, I did roster him in one league. Uh, I, 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 I try not to chase that That's not so bad. Yeah, they were both solo shots. At least we got yeah. that
2: for us. Yeah, nothing to worry about. Exactly.
1: <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap it up, uh, and it's going to wrap uh, you and I up for a couple of weeks here. You're off a big hockey trip with your family, and then a trip to SoCal here. Uh, I, I have a golf trip mixed in there uh, eventually, and uh, so we're going to be. I, I'm not sure who I'm recording with next Tuesday, but I'll be recording next Tuesday. You are slacking off for two weeks in a row, but no, and we're off for the All-Star Week also. So uh, that'll be a little, little respite. But uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Do appreciate it. And Fred and I will be back together in three weeks. So thanks for listening. Take care.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time,